0: Welcome to the Genealogy Gems podcast. It's a show filled with family history, research strategies and techniques, news and entertainment and inspiration. And I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Hello and welcome to Genealogy Gems podcast episode number 222. It's Family History Month. It's October of 2018, and I want to celebrate this with you. So this month is a little different. It's going to be packed beginning to end with comments, tips, and questions from all of you, our Genealogy Gems fans. And you're also going to hear about an exciting new event that I'm going to be speaking at next year in 2019. It's the Genealogy Show, and that's going to be in the UK. So Kirsty Gray is here to talk about that. But before we get into all that, I wanted to share with you a little bit of news that I've seen kind of coming down the pipeline lately. It's kind of nostalgic for me, actually. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I worked at a pizza parlor. And um, when I would get off work, they had just installed new arcade video games in the the restaurant. And I think I probably converted most paychecks into quarters. And I remember just indulging in hours and hours of Pac-Man. Remember Pac-Man? Ms. Pac-Man? Oh my gosh, those arcade machines, they would bing, bong, boop. You'd hear them in the corner and you'd go, oh, I just want to go do that after work. Well, if you played arcade games like I did back in the 1970s through the 1990s, there's kind of a fun, nostalgic online experience for you now that's available. It's from the Internet Archive. And they recently blogged about this. The article was called Over 1,100 New Arcade Machines Added to the Internet Arcade. And I was like, wait a minute, Internet Arcade? That's not the Internet Archive. Well, they say that the Internet Arcade is their collection of working arcade machines that run in your web browser. And it's gotten a big new upgrade in its fourth year. So this has been out there for a couple of years. I don't know how I missed this. Uh, It says here, advancements by both the MAME, M-A-M-E, I don't know what that is, emulator team and the scripten. Okay, this must all be internal lingo. Conversion process allowed their team to go through many more potential arcade machines and add them to the site. Bottom line, the technology upgraded and they were able to add more to this collection. And it's a really fun collection. The Internet Arcade is a web-based library of arcade, which were basically coin-operated arcade games from the 70s through the 90s. And this collection contains hundreds of games ranging through many different genres and styles. The game collection ranges from what they're calling the early bronze age of video games with black and white screens and simple sounds, all the way through to the large scale games containing digitized voices, images, and music. So when you head to their website, many of the games are going to have kind of a boot up sequence when they're first turned on, where the systems run through a check and an analysis, making sure all the systems are go. Uh, In some cases, there are odd controllers that make proper playing of the systems on a keyboard or joypad, a pale imitation of the original experience. But if this piques your interest or you want to share with your kids or your grandkids the games you used to play, then head to the Internet Arcade. Internet Archive is at archive.org. And I'll have a link to this article about this collection. I think that links over to the actual collection itself. Pretty fun, you know. It's funny. My son in law loves to play video games, and he grew up on these games. And of course, now over at their house, they have the big screen color TV and all kinds of fun games. And I was just over there the other day, and Davy was teaching me how to play different Mario Brother games. And it's a whole new world, man. It's like being in a movie theater sometimes <laughs> with the the video game setups they have in the houses. But I think it's kind of a fun way to kind of tie together our history with our kids history with our grandkids history and kind of show them hey you're not the first one to play a video game this is what it looked like in my day all right well coming up next I have invited your happiness manager Lacey Cook my daughter is here she works here at genealogy gems full-time she gets all of your emails and your posts on social media and she funnels them to me and we're going to get together and share them with you As I travel the world talking about genealogy, folks are always stopping me and asking for my advice on organizing and securing their family history research. And my standard answer is plant your family tree in your own backyard and share branches online. Planting your tree in your own backyard, it means keeping one master family tree in a software file right there on your own computer. That gives you ownership, control of privacy and security, and one central place to organize everything that you learn about your family. And of course, my software choice and the one that I use is RootsMagic. I find that it's tree building tools are second to none. And with RootsMagic web hints, you can see what record hints are available on FamilySearch, Find My Past, and My Heritage. And now you have the ability to synchronize your RootsMagic database with your Ancestry tree and get those Ancestry.com web hints right there inside of RootsMagic. These are features that are really critical and they're exclusive to RootsMagic. So plant your tree today in RootsMagic and watch it grow. Get started at RootsMagic.com.
1: My proud old dad Who knows that we are winning And I bet he's glad But more than any other A line from my old mother Bring me a lever from my...
0: mailbox segment I've invited Lacey to join me because Lacey you oftentimes are the kind of the first not first line of defense but you're the, first, the first, first point of contact first point of contact yes.
2: when you when you have questions or comments and you use our email field on our website to send those into us they go right to my inbox so I read everything that gets sent to me I'd like to just
0: run through, get kind of caught up on some of the great stuff that people have been writing in about. And and it's a wide variety of topics. What have you got for us first?
2: Well, first, I have an email from Gary, who's in Australia. And he wrote to me recently and said, Good day, Lisa, from Down Under. That's my best Australian oh my impression. <laughs> he says, I thought it was time to give you some feedback from a podcast skeptic. So, like all good yarns to start at the beginning. I've been researching my family for about 15 years now, and my passion lies in the personal stories I uncover about these long-gone people. I have a diploma in family history from the University of Tasmania, so on the strength of that, and my personal research experience, I consider myself a competent genealogist. Can even spell it right. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I thought I knew it all. Before Christmas last year, I won a premium subscription to your podcast from Gould Genealogy, and quite frankly, out of all the prizes on offer, I thought I had drawn the short straw. I know. I was like so heartbroken. So he says, what sort of prize was this? My previous experiences with podcasts did not last very long. Most are boring and lack anything that excited me. I almost gave the subscription away, but thought I'm not paying for it. So there's nothing to lose. Well, Lisa, you hooked me from the first episode I listened to. I was then compelled to listen to the 11 previous years of Genealogy Gems. (laughs) I have now caught up on all the premium episodes and well past halfway of the regular ones. You are my daily driving companion to and from work. Your passion for genealogy and heartfelt desire to genuinely share your knowledge and experience is what has made me an avid listener. It is the best subscription I never bought." (laughs) But recently paid for another 12 months, even with half a year's subscription remaining. And he closes to say, you have made me a happy user of Evernote, protect my data with Backblaze, and rekindled my interest in Google Earth. My understanding of DNA accelerated under the tutorage of your team when compared to reading unintelligible books on the subject. (laughs) You have an amazing team that know their stuff and are just as passionate about sharing. The interviews sometimes amaze me. You get to some really interesting people and some great subjects. Well, Lisa, I am a podcast skeptic no more. Thank you for expanding my genius knowledge. I look forward to seeing you and saying good day. should you ever return to the land of Aussies again. Keep up the good work. Regards, Gary. Oh,
0: I love that email. What a way to start off the mailbox.
2: Yes, you know, and it started out a little, I was a little taken aback. And as I read it, I totally got his sense of humor. And he sounds like a very nice guy to talk to.
0: As were so many of the folks that I met down in Australia earlier this year, uh, when I keynoted at the national conference in Sydney. I am absolutely, Gary, hoping to get back down there in the next year or two. That would be fantastic. And hey, good for him for hanging in there and giving it a shot. Isn't that funny?
2: Yes. You know, and I totally relate because I did not understand the point of a podcast a couple years ago because I hate talk radio. I can't stand it. It's just blather. It's noise. I'm like, turn it off. I don't want to hear two people (laughs) yammering at each other. But, you know, my sister told me about podcasts, and she got me listening, and I'm a true crime junkie, Mm -hmm. and so there's a whole slew of podcasts now all about true crime, and I'm absolutely hooked. I check my app every day for new episodes, and I have it on my calendar when the new ones are coming because (laughs) I'm a rabid listener, and I love a good story, and I was completely converted, so... There are many, many podcast skeptics out there. And it's such a hard concept, I think, to explain to people who just haven't tried it. And we're still figuring out the best way. But I think for me, the best way is word of mouth. That's how I got in on it. And so if you've got friends who are podcast skeptics, invite them to listen. Send them a link to an episode. Have it on when they come over. I mean, you'll be able to convert people pretty quickly once they understand what it is. And I think that's the best way to, to spread the word. You know,
0: I feel so sorry for people who they just grabbed the one wrong podcast to try. Yes. And it's two people going, oh, well, yeah, duh. You know, and they're just, yeah. they're just blathering. Like you said, they're just talking.
2: And well, it's, a, it's a one-sided conversation. You're hearing them talk to each other, but right. you're you're not able to engage in the conversation. And you're kind of
0: left out of it, yes. you know, and it's not very planned. And and I know one of the things, one of the reasons why we invest so much in editing on the show is because I don't expect people to sit and listen to the um, 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 yes. um that I,
2: Oh, the worst one was a brand new podcast that was all this hype. Everyone was so excited. I had to turn it off halfway through episode two because they didn't know how to use a mute button. Mm-hmm. And so it was coughing. Somebody had oh a really gosh. bad cold and coughed <laughs> through the whole episode. And I just, it just, I
0: couldn't handle it. I know a lot of people are listening. They're hearing what Gary had to say about the premium show. Now, I think he was new to podcasts in general, but this is the free show. We already have people who are willing to listen. You've already encouraged them to uh, share it and kind of encourage our friends, get them to try it. If not for the first time, one more time. But this is really a testament, I think, to the fact that we get to even go further in the premium show. And I know there are some folks who have been long-term uh, free podcast listeners who haven't make, taken that plunge. And wow, there's a huge difference depth of archive and catalog there.
2: Yes. And it's ad free. Yes. Don't, don't we love ad free <laughs> listening? And and I know you guys are all such good sports. You understand that, you know, podcasts cost money to make. And so we appreciate your support with the free show and, and the sponsors that we have. But the premium show is ad free. Yes. And there's a whole other component that Perhaps Gary wasn't aware of, which is the video archive.
0: Yeah, so- and that's interesting. He didn't mention that. Oh, hey, I got the membership and I'm enjoying the podcast, but a lot of people, I think. Will get it for either the videos
2: or the podcast and the other piece isn't on their radar. That's true. And it some of it has to do with perhaps how you best learn. Some people are auditory learners, some people are visual, some people are more tactile. Yeah. But the videos are great because I think 90% of them all have downloadable handouts that go with them that have links to the things that are talked about. They've got an overview of everything covered, so you can just refer to it at a glance without having to watch the whole video again. And it's all organized by topic. If you're stuck on one particular Topic, just see if there's a video class. Sometimes they're 20 minutes, sometimes they're a full hour, hour and a half. So it varies, but it's all there for you, included in your membership, also ad free. And I encourage everybody to take advantage of both. Yeah,
0: the full range of content that's available. So there's the premium podcast. Which I think, my gosh, I know we're over 150 episodes. 160s. 100. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think. I should know that, but I don't. And then all the video classes. And of course, this last year, we launched the brand new book. This was the workbook, the companion book. So that for even an episode of the podcast that might be 10 years old, Uh, We've been doing them every month for 11 years now. Those are all completely updated. So all those handouts get updated in the book and they can work along with us.
2: And the index, the index in the back. It was a huge thing to take on, but we knew how important it was to be able to say, I'm stuck on this very specific topic. And the index, you just look it up by subject, topic, person, author, any, you know, anybody. And you can flip right to it in the book. Yep
0: get the episode you want, get the video that you want. And, you know, Lacey, I, you know, I've been on the road for gosh, it's going to be eight weeks straight, basically every weekend for eight weeks, through the fall of 2018. And one of the things that folks often come up to me during break times and stuff is they say, you know, I've gone from, I just wanted to get everything I could to I'm totally overwhelmed. And I think that was the beauty of the topic index was that, it's not like you have to look at 160 episodes and say, I've got to start listening and get them all done now. You can literally just jump to what you need.
2: Yes, that's very true. And when you become a premium member, you can literally download all the past episodes and then have them when you're ready to get to them. They're all available on demand, but you can also save them to your computer to refer to whenever you're ready to listen for the podcast. So don't feel like you have to cram all of it in in, in a month and and <laughs> although i've heard some people do <laughs> oh yeah i've i've been a binge listener it's happened and then you're anxiously waiting for the new episode and so the other flip side of it is you can look at it as we've got one new podcast episode every month and one new video every month so if it's easier for you to take it off in that chunk and just go with whatever's brand new That's, it's less than $5 a month. Well, exactly.
0: So even if there's a huge archive, you don't have to stress yourself out about that. Right. You just know I'm getting one new thing each month. Yep. You can mark
2: your calendar, check the newsletter. It's always going to be in the newsletter. And you'll have that each month to enjoy at the most affordable price out there.
0: Well, it was a good price for Carrie. Free. (laughs) (laughs) And we like to do that, you know, when folks reach out to us, particularly when they're maybe doing a fundraising seminar or something like that. We'd love to support them and and provide those gifts out there. All right. Our next item here is this Cuban Genealogy Podcast.
2: Well, it says, Hello, Lisa Louise Cook. I just wanted to let you know how inspiring your podcasts are to the genealogy community. After listening to your Find My Past interview, a couple of us were inspired to start organizing efforts for Cuban genealogy. I launched our first genealogy podcast on CastBox, and we are launching on iTunes this weekend. During the process, I was always thinking, WWLLCD. What would Lisa (laughs) Louise Cook do? (laughs) A new one. That is a new one indeed. <laughs> it has been fun, challenging, frustrating, educational, and a meaningful experience so far. I'm now being invited to speak to various genealogy groups around the country, and we are organizing a group to attend RootsTech 2019. Oh, fantastic. We're off to a great start. Thank you for inspiring us, and we will see you at RootsTech 2019. And this is from Brian Tosco Bello, Cuban Genealogy Podcast.
0: Oh, Brian, congratulations on the new podcast. I know what it's like to to launch like that, and it's a bit of work. You know, you got to get it into iTunes, you got to get it into each of the podcasting services, but... Congratulations. That is really cool. I love seeing these shows pop up that have the really special interest where they can just Dig deep into one area of genealogy.
2: Yes, that's so important. And we're not always able to hit on some of those more narrow categories on the show or on the blog. And so it's fantastic when somebody who really has that information and that expertise is able to provide that to other people who are looking for it.
0: Well, wonderful. Well, everybody, check it out. The Cuban Genealogy Podcast. Of course, you could probably search for that in any of the podcasts. Or,
2: what would Lisa Louise Cook do? Just Google it. Oh, <laughs> oh
0: ow. Ba-dum-bum.
2: Yeah. pom. Um,
0: that's fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. And again, congratulations on the new show. Hang tight because we've got more emails from you and that's coming up right after this. Okay. Have you visited backblaze.com slash Lisa yet? If you don't have cloud backup for your computer yet, everything on it is vulnerable to loss your pictures, your master genealogy database, files for work, the everyday business of your household. Losing all that at once is as devastating as it sounds. That's why I did my homework and I found a cloud-based backup service provider. I chose Backblaze. It runs in the background 24-7, automatically saving copies of everything, including my precious video files. Did you know that some of the other leading services actually skip your video files when they do the backup? Hello, not good. And Backblaze is so easy to use. I love their free app that allows me to access all my files if I need to from my smartphone or my tablet. Most importantly, the service is totally affordable for real people. It's just $5 a month. So don't wait to ensure that all your files are safe. Do it now. Back them up like I do with Backblaze. Head over to backblaze.com slash Lisa and get that $5 a month deal. Check it out for yourself. You could even do a free trial. That's backblaze.com slash Lisa. Now, Lacey, this next one came in from somebody who I recognized the name when you showed it to me. This is from Jillian in Arkansas. She's written before, but tell us what she's up to now.
2: She says, greetings from Arkansas. I'm writing to share one of my passions and how I recently found a way to tie it into genealogy. When the weather isn't too atrocious, and my goodness, it is like 46 degrees here today. Oh, yeah. Talk about atrocious. I think we went from 100 to 46 <laughs> like three had, days. That was a nice three days of fall that we yeah. had. Sorry. <laughs> she says, when the weather isn't too atrocious, my young boys and I like to go metal detecting. I have an amateur one that's primarily for hunting relics, and we just love to dig around on the farm. Recently I listened to one of your podcasts where you discussed new updates to It's the BLM, so that's a Bureau of Land Management. Ah and homestead records. Searching through those led me to the USGS historical topographical maps, and my eyes simply lit up. While the oldest of the maps don't typically show structures, some of the more recent ones not only place homes and old house spots, but they show cemeteries, churches, schools, and more. Mm -hmm. Using one of those maps, I found my two-times great-grandparents' home place and planned to take my metal detector out with the hopes that while it's now a rice field, field. I might just get lucky and find something amazing. My excitement had me wondering, I wonder if there are any metal detecting finds in towns where my ancestors lived. Oh. Perhaps on their old land. So, I took to the net and searched it out and there it was, right there on YouTube. We love when people use YouTube. Uh-huh. A video of someone finding coins and relics on the exact land my three times great-grandfather was granted when he applied for a homestead. It was astounding to see the homestead records in such detail, showing what structures were there and what they served as, and then seeing someone find old farm implements, square nails from his cabin and barns, and even part of an old pocket watch that dates to the time my ancestor lived there. Metal detecting may seem like a treasure hunter's grasp at fame and fortune, but it can be used to find tangible connection to those we have only seen in records or pictures. If by some chance you look up your ancestors' homes and metal detecting, I hope you strike genealogical gold. I love this. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't have thought of that, but
0: I imagine it's like visiting um, a cemetery that's on somebody's property. You can just contact the folks, ask, you know, can I come on the property yeah Yes, here?
2: permission, and it would be a good thing to ask for. But how great that she thought to go on YouTube. And yeah. so often, if I don't know how to do something, I YouTube it. Because chances are, somebody else out there has thought of that and will show a tutorial. Fixing things around the house, you know, mm-hmm. trying a new makeup technique. I mean, anything you can think of. So it's great that she thought, hey, somebody else out there, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I can just YouTube it.
0: Exactly. And of course, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash genealogy gems. Gosh, we've got hundreds of videos on there. And so that's a great place to turn to. And she mentioned the Bureau of Land Management and their homestead records. So that's over at the BLM GLO records website. So in the show notes for this episode, we'll have a link to their site. So you could go search yourselves and see which ancestors might have had land patents and homesteads. We also have at least seven different videos, I think, in premium membership that tackle land and geography. We have time travel with Google Earth, yeah. and, and of course, our free Google Earth for Genealogy video class. Um, I think we even talk about the BLM in that one. So we cover that quite a bit.
2: I think our website also has a new feature on the homepage where you can select categories to look at different articles we've written. So if you're interested in land patents, if you're interested in maps, select it from the What Do You Want to Learn About drop-down menu on our homepage right there in the middle, and you'll see all the free articles that we have covering those topics. That's a great point, and I'm actually so excited about that because now – if you have done what Lacey just
0: said in the last couple of years, you've noticed oh my gosh, you get this long, continuous stream yes.
2: of content. And ladies- <laughs> I, I nagged and nagged and I said, we've got to fix this because I use it when I'm trying to put together the newsletter and I'm trying to answer customer questions, trying to offer people help. And I'm like, this isn't usable. So I've been bugging and bugging to get that fixed.
0: Yes, she has. So I finally grabbed some time with our web designer programmer guy. And I said, I need this to display differently. And I, it was a little bit more programming over my head. So he did it. And I love it. We're back to, you get the tile format. So you're not getting this continuous stream of information. Select a topic from what you want to learn about on the homepage at the top. You will get the different tiles, and it could be anything from um, one of our articles on the blog to a podcast episode or even something about a video that we might have in premium. So you're going to be able to quickly now scan through and see what we've
2: got. We take your feedback very seriously, and we want to make our website as user-friendly as possible. I use it on a daily basis, so I know what it's like. And we appreciate everybody's patience when we did the whole website change. And we're just so excited to bring new features on our website so that you can get the most out of it. So we love your suggestions. We love your support. And we hope that you're enjoying it.
0: All right. What do we got
2: next here in the mailbox? Well, we've got a local history book find from Robin. She writes in to say, I want to thank you so much for episode 220. I listened to you in the car during my commute and my ears perked up when you talked about finding a book on eBay about your tiny little town in Ohio, was it? Or Illinois? Illinois. Do you think it was Ohio? Was it Ohio? Mm -hmm. And yet we've got another commuter who likes to listen in the car. It's a great time. And she goes on to say, this was a strategy I never thought of. I'm not an eBay shopper by nature. So when I got home, I tried my own little tiny town search on eBay. Like you, I was shocked when a book entitled The History of Lake City, Arkansas, 1898 to 1998 popped up. My grandparents lived in Lake City after they married in 1912, and their first three children were born there. Child number two, a boy, died in the Spanish flu pandemic. My mother always said he was three. Because he was born and died between censuses, there are no county or state records of the events. And because there is no surviving family bible that I'm aware of, the only evidence we have that he even existed is a precious portrait of he and his older sister. He was just an infant, and Aunt Leah looks to have been about two. She was born in 1913, so I estimate his birth in 1915 and death in 1918. He is buried in an unmarked grave, and I only have my late mother's testimony as to which cemetery he's in. Larman died a good 11 years before Mom was born, but since she was raised in that neck of the woods, I trust that she would have known where he was buried. I checked WorldCat for this book to see if by chance it's held in the Jonesboro Public Library, which it isn't. The only library that has it in all of WorldCatdom is the University of Arkansas Library in Jonesboro. While I haven't tried, I'm going to presume that due to its rarity, it's probably not available for interlibrary loan. So I bought the book. It wasn't expensive. Will my family be mentioned in it? I'll find out in a week when it's scheduled to arrive. Wish me luck. Robin from Short Plump, Virginia.
0: I love this. I remember eBay was one of the first tips that I shared way back in 2007 on the podcast. And in fact, Lacey, last weekend, I was speaking at the Iowa Genealogical Society. It was a two-day seminar that we did. And during breaks, they had um, a bunch of books that were left over from their collection and things that they had duplicates of or that they had inherited or whatever. And they were making them available for sale. And of course, oftentimes in your own society, it's the same people seeing the same books, right, all the time. And I was suggesting to them, uh, I thought that eBay would be a fantastic place to go and make those available. Because while their society members may not have an immediate need, or that might be a book that's already available in their public library, to get it out there on eBay means that anybody and everybody, that one person out there who's been trying to get their hands on that book can get it. I mean, it's amazing how it matches people up with really hard to find books. So
2: yes, especially since it's not always in everybody's wheelhouse or in everybody's ability to digitize everything. So you have to at least let them know it exists and give people the opportunity to look at it if you can, if you've got copies, even if you don't have time to scan every single page, just put some keywords out there and people can ask questions. Maybe you can even help them by flipping through it.
0: And exactly with out of print books, I found a couple of different really hard to find out of print books that for whatever reason just are off the shelves of of libraries, but you can still grab a copy that came out of somebody's closet. And you can do that through eBay. So I encourage everybody, go look for places, organizations, all kinds of you know, things that are related to your ancestors and check eBay to see what kind of interesting books you can find there.
2: Yes. Because if people do one thing, it's that they don't stay in the same place. That's so, so chances are people have moved on, but their ancestors might be in your tiny little town, even if they themselves are not there and they're looking for that little gem that you've got on yeah. your desk you might have that one thing they need. And of course, if you're looking
0: for something and you go to eBay and you search and you don't see that book there, particularly these hard to find titles, you can save that as a saved search. eBay will check for you. It'll keep checking for you. And one day you may end up with an email in your inbox saying we have it. So that's kind of exciting.
2: We have another email here from Coral's Friday Record Discovery. I remember this one. She writes, Dear Lisa, I'd just like to share a success story of mine. Since I'm still a teenager, I don't have a lot of money to spend on genealogy, and I love when you update us on new family search collections. This past week, you noted that the Ellis Island collections had been updated. I decided to search for my two-times great-grandfather, Sigmund Andrew... Kupin I hope I'm saying that right. And she says, who I knew was born in Russia, Poland around 1898. I had no luck and I thought maybe because his name had either changed or been misindexed or misspelled on the record. I turned to Fold3, which is free through my library, to find his naturalization papers. That's such a great tip too, is Mm -hmm. that if you're not wanting to pay for a whole subscription, check with your local library. A lot of times they've got... Subscriptions that you can go in and use for free, and request the ones you want if they don't. Yes, yes. And she says, "There they were. I found lots of useful information, such as his birthplace, birth date, three of his children, and his immigration information. It turned out that he had immigrated under the name Siegmund Kupinzawa. Kupenjau- Kupinzawa. I found his Ellis Island record, which listed his mother, brother, and father." I was then able to find more records on them. I'm hoping to someday find some Polish records, but they're sparse on FamilySearch in Lomza. So thank you so much for guiding me through my first year of genealogy. I love the Friday records updates. Thanks, Coral. Well, Coral, you can really thank Lacey. Because Lacey's doing our Friday Records
0: Update post now. And um, we've moved it around. I did it for a while. Sonny did it for quite some time. Um, You're doing it now. But no matter what, somebody here has their eye on what the newest records are. It's so cool when you see something come through. Or you see something like you're mentioning in our article... And while that may not directly lead to it, now that has spurred the next idea. And then you can keep pursuing.
2: Yes. And we love Family Search too, because it's free and yeah. they get so much put on there. And so we're happy to update every week. And no matter what, I make sure that that, updates post gets done, because I know how important that one is to everybody. If you haven't seen it before, it's in our newsletter every single week. So you can sign up for the free e-newsletter on our website, and that'll be delivered right to your inbox so that you don't have to subscribe to seven other different... Records websites. We're going to scour them each week for you and tell you what's new.
0: And that in itself is a big job. And you want to spend more time researching and less time scouring. So you can go to genealogygems.com. And at the top, there's a red button. And you can subscribe there to the newsletter that Lacey mentioned. Hey Coral, congratulations on your first big year of genealogy, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast.
2: And I hope it inspires that there are young people yes. who do like it. And I know some people get so discouraged that their younger folks in their family aren't interested. Oh, you're right. She says she's a teenager. A teenager. I that know. So cool. We we don't get a lot of them, and we're so thrilled when they reach out to us and share that they're interested, and and we just welcome you to the family. Absolutely. Now, I
0: also saw one here, Lacey, that came in. It was about vehicle registrations and it says, I was just catching up on some podcasts and I listened with interest on the one a few weeks ago where you focused on automobiles. I thought I'd share that the Florida Memory website has a list of early vehicle registrations from 1905 to 1917 on its site It's searchable by name, isn't that cool? Name and or county, and it's very interesting to peruse. Thanks for providing such an enjoyable and informative podcast. I look forward to all your new installments. And this is from Kim in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. She sent me a link, so I'm going to put this link in the show notes. I loved doing that episode. It was so much fun. It started with a photograph of my grandmother. and I was just remembering. Yeah. Where you
2: do like the infrared light mm. or you? you uh, we did
0: like a, you turn the photo negative. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> See, this is the true crime, you know, fiend coming out in Lacey. She loves that stuff. And, you know, and that's kind of where I got that idea, Lacey, was. The idea of using, um, taking a photograph, bringing it into a photo editor, switching it from regular view to kind of um, negative view, which actually made the letters and numbers on that license plate pop right out. And that idea came directly from forensic files, <laughs> watching TV, and they would take the in- the infrared light and look for fibers and
2: And it's such a prime example of sometimes if you stare at something for so long it gets distorted and you can't even really see it anymore and you kind of have to turn it upside down and get a new perspective and look at it a completely different way it's a great example of what to do with a brick wall just Mm -hmm. turn it on its head see if it looks different and something else jumps out at you so exactly and i love how everybody
0: listening they they have their little gems they can send to us so if you're looking for vehicle registrations, and you're specifically in Florida, this one's going to come in handy. We'll have it in the show notes.
2: Yes, and, and it's it's a great example of kind of moving beyond the low-hanging fruit and thinking outside the box when you're looking for records like so vehicle registrations, fishing licenses, voter registrations, other other things that aren't as obvious mm-hmm. but could still leave a trail. They may not be considered primary resources or primary sources, but they still back up your evidence, and give you a a breadcrumb trail. Absolutely. Got another one for us here? Yes. We've got a message here from Karen. She says, Hi, Lisa. I love your website and podcasts and like your advice about genealogy products. Recently, I found a strong endorsement for genie.com online. As I was presenting that info to my husband, he suggested I get more opinions about it before putting my info on it. That is a smart suggestion. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to have your opinion. Thank you for any help.
0: Well, she's talking about genie dot com. Now, genie dot com is now owned by myheritage.com. If you have my heritage account, then you're probably seeing Genie pop up in your search results. It's still maintained separately, but the genie results will show up on myheritage. The main difference is that Genie is a free one world tree. Kind of like, like family, family Search. search yeah. Right. Where it's all together and MyHeritage Is what we call a freemium website, you know, where there's parts of it that are available for free, then some of it you need to subscribe to, and each user builds their own individual tree. So that's something to think about. And I know Sonny Morton mentions this in the Genealogy Giants Quick Reference Guide, which we have available in our store. And it's it's important. There's a whole section on trees because it's making that decision. Do I want to retain specific individual control of my tree and then share it out? Or do I want to add to a tree that everybody else is adding to? What you lose in privacy and control in a global tree kind of like what Jeannie does, you can also kind of gain back the collaborative power of that because so many people are kind of working together and they're checking each other's work and that type of thing. So that's the main thing to think about is whether or not you want to retain this yourself, build it yourself and share it out and control it, or whether you want it to be part of a of a global tree. But Jeannie is, as I understand, very well respected in the community. And like I say, part of my heritage now.
2: Yes. And if there's a specific... Section of your tree that you're working on. You could just upload that section. You don't have to Mm -hmm. upload your entire tree. If you're just looking for some leads or some hints, start with one family that you're working on, and and see what generates from that. And
0: doing that, I think, is probably easier with a site that lets you do your own individual tree. In fact, many people have multiple. They literally have, you know, two, three, four trees, and they're putting sections from their master database on those. To then generate very specific targeted leads. All right, we got a few more here. This one says
2: 3 million German names. And I would never be able to pronounce them. Uh, you could use Google Translate. Uh, yes. Or yeah,
0: Google. Or, or Google or you Google it. Or something. Yeah, I think you Google it. You can put something in there and say, How do I say
2: or pronounce? And yeah, it will I literally it say all. it to you. That's me. right. Yes. Yeah, three million names just sounded daunting. <laughs> but it's from Tim, and he writes I saw your post on German World War I ancestors, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And he says, And wanted to share another resource. The online project Gefallenen in my collar. Close. close. Yeah. Not even close. But that's okay. It because starts with a G.
0: It's <laughs> basically an online project with these names, over 3 million
2: names. Yes. And it, he says it has 3 million names from various war memorials, books, indexes, and other German-Germanic sources. Many small towns in Germany have small war memorials, which volunteers photograph and transcribe for the site. That's really nice of them. That's a great way to give back. Yeah, yeah. Some records go back to the seventeen hundreds, while others end with Germany's current involvement in Afghanistan. Also included are some victims of natu- National Socialism. If you're lucky, photos appear from either graves, mourning, or death cards. Or Aaron Aaron Toffel. What is Aaron Toffel? I could Google it. <laughs> You knew how to pronounce it. Well, you know
0: know what's so funny is is that it's been several months since I dug into my German research, but you know, when you're knee deep in it, and everybody listening knows, when you're knee deep in it, you almost memorize the the foreign language words, but then as soon as I'm out of it, I I totally forget. So what does this say? Oh, it's a roll of of honor, an honor roll. That
2: makes sense with the military. Yes. Okay. All right. We Googled it. All right. And he goes back and says, I looked for cotton and didn't find anything, nor did a search for Sporowski, but new records are being added daily. The website is in German, but Google Translate does a decent job, and the editors are quite helpful when emailed. Well, I love that. Well, thank you, Tim. You are so sweet to have done a quick little search for
0: me on this website. So Lacey um, Sporowski would be your great, great, grandparents Gus and Louise Borowski the ones who came in 1910 and Cotton as with a k with a k as tim knows is the village in what was then East Prussia Germany where Gus was born and wow it's tiny it's very hard to find on any maps since Gus did serve in the military, that was the perfect route to take. So I'm going to keep that on my radar and keep checking back. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I might also go back in because he checked it with the general spelling of Sporowski that we're used to, but I have a couple variations on that name. So I'll maybe go over there and try those out. Gosh, this was wonderful. How nice to be able to catch up on so much of the wonderful emails, messages, Facebook messages. There's so many different ways people can contact us, and we really do read every single one, do we not?
2: We absolutely do, and we may not be able to provide direct answers or or give you answers right when you need them, but we do read them all and we take our time to see if we can try to help and put them out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. Many times we tri- we respond personally
0: and, and I know one of the things that you're looking for is um, those topics that might be really helpful to other people as well. And so we try to feature them as much as we can on the show. And that's what's so nice about this episode is that we can kind of get caught up on that and share so much of you back with you because uh, you have some wonderful things to contribute. And we so appreciate everybody taking the time to write. If they want to contact us, how do they do it?
2: If you would like to contact us with a question, a comment, a suggestion about a cool new resource that you found or a strategy that's worked well for you, all you have to do is go to genealogygems.com slash contact and you'll see a contact field appear on the screen where you can write out your question. It goes right to me and I read every single one and I'll get back to you as soon as possible or I'll pass it on to the podcast. So please use that genealogygems.com slash contact.
0: And they'll find a tile for that on the homepage. So one way or another, get in touch with us. And right now, we have to do something very, very, very important. We have to take you out for your birthday dinner. Oh, yeah.
2: It's Lacey's birthday today as we record. Yes, it is my birthday today. And happy birthday, honey. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad I get to spend it with
0: my family. Awesome. It's important. Thanks.
1: From my proud old dad Who knows that we are winning And I'll bet he's glad For more than any other A line from my old mother Bring me a letter From my...
0: Our sponsor for this episode is MyHeritage, which has over 70 million members worldwide. If you're serious about making connections in the country where your ancestors once lived, hands down, MyHeritage is the place that you want to be. Post your tree on MyHeritage and start to see the magic as they automatically match it up with other trees, not just with genealogists in the country where you live, but around the world. Trees aren't primary sources, but they are excellent leads. I uploaded a portion of my family tree that contains my German heritage, and that's where I was really hoping to make a breakthrough, and very quickly it happened. I received a message from a distant cousin in Germany. That was my first international cousin contact. But there's more at MyHeritage, their unique and powerful search system. It's called Record Matches. It constantly calls over 5 billion historical records for your family. It's the only family history interface out there using semantic analysis to search newspaper articles, books, and other free text documents. It is also the first to translate names between languages. Find out what MyHeritage can do to help you grow your family tree. Visit myheritage.com. It's free to get started, so there's really no reason to wait. And there are billions of reasons to try it out. Visit myheritage.com. Well, as you know been traveling the world a bit talking about genealogy and getting to meet so many of you. And one of the exciting events coming up in 2019 that I am really looking forward to is the Genealogy Show. It's going to be June 7th and 8th of 2019 in Birmingham, England. And here to tell us all about it is the lady who's in charge herself, Kirsty Gray. She is the UK's number one genealogist, people finder, and air hunter. She's a family and local historian, is so involved in so many different areas in the UK, but also around the world. She's been a featured genealogist on Ki-e-Vu, which is Who Do You Think You Are in Canada, and BBC One's Family Finders in the UK, a networking queen and member of four networking community member of Ontario Genealogical Society, the Devon Family History Society, and she's a member and chair of West Middlesex Family History Society. She's one busy lady. Hi, Kirsty. Hi, Lisa.
3: (laughs) Sounds like we're both as busy as one another, I think.
0: I think so. And here you're taking on something new and exciting, which is the genealogy show. What made you set this up and so soon in 2019?
3: Well, I sat on, a, on an airplane on the way back from Roots Tech this year, 2018, in March, and we had so many conversations. When family-wise, my company, when we were exhibiting at Roots Tech, everyone was going, "You guys don't have a show like this in the UK. Why don't you have a show like this?" And we kind of said, "Well, we used to have a show, and it's no longer running." And I sat back on the airplane thinking shut up, Kirsty, don't say what you're thinking out loud. (laughs) 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 Because I had this kind of cool idea that maybe like a group of us could do it. And I literally was on the airplane, Facebook messaging a couple of key people, talking to the guys that I was traveling with. And kind of by the time we got back to the UK, we had a board. We already had loads of people that were really excited and enthusiastic about it. I cannot even tell you how much I spent on Wi-Fi on that aeroplane. It was ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Wow. It takes that eight hours of isolation to pull together a whole conference. That's amazing.
3: Well, I don't think we managed to put it all together on that aeroplane flight, (laughs) but the core kind of group was already formed. We already had some ideas. We already had the directors and most of the board were already kind of on board, literally before we got back to the United Kingdom. And we were like, well, should we have it in London? Should we have it in Birmingham? And having done quite a few events in Birmingham over the years with the old Who Do you think you are live show that we used to have here, I thought, you know, for international travellers it is so much easier to go to Birmingham. Because although everyone goes, Oh, the, you know, London's central and it's the capital, all the venues are so diabolically hard to get to. All the big venues. So we were like, Well, Birmingham NEC, it's got an airport it cannot be easier. So that's kind of where we started, really.
0: And that makes a big difference. And it really opens the doors, like you said, to people internationally as well to come and join you and be a part of it. And for those of you listening, probably heard about the Who Do You Think You Are live conference that happened for several years in London, England, and it moved eventually to Birmingham. But that is now discontinued. And this show is kind of really stepping up to the plate. Kirsty, tell me, what's in it for the attendees? Why would they want to go to this new show?
3: Well, we're trying to make it different. We're not trying to replace the show that was there before. We're trying to make it a very different show. Plus, bring quite a lot of the Europeans. I mean, we, we historically at Who Do You Think You Are, in my opinion, we've never really kind of attracted people for, on a worldwide scale. We, we've had the UK audience. We've had people travel the odd one or three or six or ten from Europe. But I don't think we massively attract people on an international scale. So right from the outset, we set it up with, with all of those international people. So we've got all of the lectures are already nailed down. They're all on the website, which is obviously, <laughs> the genealogy show, genealogy show. UK. All the speakers are on there already. We're still in conversation with many, many of the big names, terms of the commercial providers whether it be in terms of dna or ancestry find my past people like that to try and sort out the kind of involvement that they would like to have we've got many of the exhibitors already on on the main program you know on the website it's a conference with a difference it's having those exhibitors so people can go and talk to family history societies dna providers military experts wizards we have wizard consultations which is Kind of a little bit like expert consultations, but just with a little bit of a twist. So We've got all of those kind of things, book signings, plus the lectures as part of the show. It's not as big as, you know, Roots which I flew back from. We're not planning on being as massive as, as that, but trying to make it an international show that's just, Different to anything we've ever had here in the UK before,
0: right? And being in the UK, and, and so many people listening to you now, both in Australia and Canada and the US, even in Europe, they have ancestors oftentimes from Britain, and they're going to be interested. And in, you guys are going to have some really unique resources that that are really only found there. And yet, you are—I know—with this board of genealogists, really solid genealogists, man, on your board putting this together. Tell us about the speakers that they've identified, that you've lined up, who can people look forward to hearing from?
3: Well, we've got basically like a main stage where we're putting, shall we call them, keynote speakers or main stage speakers. So I think we might have somebody pretty amazing from the US, actually. Or I think she might be called Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am
0: really looking forward to it. I was thrilled so to hear from you.
3: Thank we're you. We're delighted to have you on board. It's funny, actually, because when we first, first started off this, I thought the last time we spoke, I think you were at home, but I was in Toronto on the way to Ontario Genealogical Society Conference. So it's kind of like trying to work out all the time zones every time. So we have your good self. We have Blaine Bettinger, so expert on DNA. Really excited to have him on board. We have Judy Russell. First time she's spoken in the UK. I believe it's the first time that Blaine has spoken in the UK as well. And we have Nathan Dylan Goodwin, who is an author seems to have. An amazing following all all around the world. So he's an author and he'll be speaking on the main stage. And so I think a lot of people are very interested about how he's sort of formulated his books and how he's used genealogy to, to really get, you know, get the facts. So not make them fiction books, but make them more factual and, and really make sense. Because a lot of books that are written about genealogy are actually not all that factful.
0: Well, and you're talking to the Gems audience who, oh, he has been a featured guest of ours as part of our Genealogy Gems book club. We've had Nathan on the show and he is a dear friend of ours. In fact, I have just loved reading all of his books. So I mean, folks, you followed us in the, in the book club, you know what Nathan's all about and the chance to get to hear him speak in person and meet him and have him sign books. I mean, sounds absolutely wonderful.
3: We have lots of others as well. I mean, we have so many international speakers from all over Europe. We have other American speakers, Canadian speakers. It's just the, the number of people that we have. It would be hard to mention more than that, really. We have Janet Few, who's well known in the United Kingdom and around the world. She's speaking. In fact, Jill Ball, myself and Janet are sharing one of the lectures talking about surname studies and how we do ours. Oh, I know. I saw
0: that. It looks fantastic. Well, and those listening, I don't know if you're aware, but Kirstie is the founder and the chair of the Surname Society. That's going to be a tremendous session.
3: I think so. And it's just lovely because actually I've known Jill for a very long time. I've known Janet for even longer, well, probably about 15 years I've known Janet, to actually speak on the same stage and share the very different ways that we do our surname studies. So we've all got something different to kind of bring to the table, which is, which will be wonderful. So, Hopefully that'll be a good one. Certainly got lots of bookings, as have yours. (laughs) I've looked at it and I love the assortment, I guess,
0: of the talks that you have. I know the assortment of the people who are going to be coming on board and being there kind of in the big hall. And this might bring to mind a question for many people listening. They may be thinking, oh, England in June. Lovely. I could do that and do genealogy too and maybe actually visit ancestral locations, which I know I'm planning on doing again tell us. They may be wondering, is this suitable for me because maybe I'm a beginner? Or, hey, I've been at this for years. What are you going to bring that I need as an advanced genealogist? Who's really your target audience here?
3: It's a wide variety. We're trying to have something for everybody. It's always difficult to please everybody all of the time. The the lectures that are already on, on uh, on the website, there are some that are, you know, for example, the DNA side of things, which is very up and coming. And a lot of people seem to be interested in those lectures are actually across the board the highest booking so far but we have things from very much beginners all the way through to those who know a lot about it and want to really advance those things whereas there are also specific ones in terms of people who may be doing spanish genealogy i have no idea how to research in spain not the first clue and we've never had a lecture like that any in any of the big conferences we've had here in the uk so I think that, you know, and also Norwegian, and we've got two Dutch speakers, we've got two French speakers, there's going to be something for everybody.
0: And these are folks who really who come from those locations who know those records. That truly, from what I'm hearing from you, Kirsty, that's something that I know I'm excited about because it it isn't something that I'm seeing at other national and international conferences. And to be able to get all that and be in beautiful England in June sounds terrific. Tell everybody again, let's get the big overview. How do they find out more? How do they register and repeat our dates?
3: Okay, so it is Friday 7th and Saturday the 8th of June 2019 at the NEC in Birmingham. If you want any more information, there are several ways that you can follow and keep updated. The main place is obviously our website, which is www.thegenealogyshow.uk. So not .co.uk, just .uk. That has all the stuff on there. We're starting to blog as of this week. So all of the kind of updates and other information, more information about speakers, find out a little bit more about them. And that's the main website. We're also on Facebook. So again, just put into Facebook, The Genealogy Show. And you'll be able to find it easily. Follow it, click like, and there's regular postings on there. Now that things are all set, all the wheels are set in motion, and we're also um, keeping up to speed on Twitter. So again, the Genealogy Show 20 sorry, the Gen Show is the Twitter handle. The Gen Show 2019 um, is on Twitter. So feel free to follow, like, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the more sharing we can get of the information that we're putting out there. You know, we're really grateful for that. We're not doing a huge amount of magazine marketing and things like that, but we are in liaison with Who Do You Think You Are magazine, and they've been very kind and sent a lot of our information out on their blogs and things like that as well. So we're working closely with them with the show, too.
0: Somebody listening isn't able to make it. Wow, you could really help out a friend, help out folks in your society, somebody. This may just be the perfect show for them. So help get the word out and you'll benefit other genies around the world. Kirsty, I'm so looking forward to it. I know we'll probably do another update before we get closer to June, but thank you so much. And we'll have all the details and the links to the website and all that in the show notes for this episode. Great talking to you, as always. I'll talk to you again soon, okay?
3: All right. Thanks, Lisa.
4: File America, Saturday, October 6th. The nature of American neighborhoods began to take on a new look early this month 71 years ago. That's when one of the first planned communities built by a real estate developer, Levittown in New York, opened and began receiving its new residents. The town ultimately contained more than 17,000 Cape Cod and ranch houses snapped up by servicemen returning from World War II and facing an acute housing shortage. In 1947, the houses in Levittown had 800 square feet of floor space and sold for under $8,000. Now, Levittown has a population of about 52,000, with a median home value of over $359,000. That's nearly twice the national median home value of $184,700. Profile America is in its 22nd year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau
0: enjoyed this Genealogy Gems podcast episode number 222. It was a little bit of a different format, but it was awfully nice to catch up on the news, catch up on what you guys have been up to, and catch up on some of the things that I'm going to be doing coming into next year. If you would like to stay in touch with us, ah, all you got to do is go to genealogygems.com and click the red button to sign up for the Genealogy Gems newsletter. It's absolutely free, comes out every Thursday, We have each of the new podcast episodes as they come out, both the free show and our premium show, which of course is completely ad free. And also the newest videos over on Genealogy Gems premium articles. And of course, I know one of your favorite articles that you like to see from us each and every week is the latest in online records. We update those for you so you don't have to go search for them. We love bringing them to you. And I loved hearing from some of you about the kinds of things that you have found based on those articles. All right, well, we're off to St. Louis this weekend, Minneapolis next weekend, and wrapping up the travel season with Oslo, Norway, at the My Heritage live event. I hope to see many of you there. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.